0: Hey, writers, it's John. This is John Helps You Write Better. So I guess we should start writing better. Today, I want to wrap up our series on how to dissect fiction and find the good stuff in it, no matter what you're reading. And uh, today, we're going to wrap up with world building. World building is all the stuff that isn't character and plot, at least for our broad definition up front. That idea of where the story is taking place, the idea of how the story is operating within the constraints of everything that's being described and developed. And it's all the, the setting detail, and it's all the kind of organizational scene development detail. It's the stuff that isn't people. All things like that, we're lumping together as world building. Because, well, we're going to take apart all of these pieces, or at least most of these pieces in some way, shape, or form. And much like we did before with characters and plot, we're going to end up making a list. So go find something you're reading. Go grab a piece of paper. Let's do this. Armed with that list, we want to sit down and write out what we think, first and foremost, the rules of the world are. Now, maybe those rules are something simple and codified, like it's Earth, and there's physics, and, you know, uh, we follow the because the story takes place in America, so it follows the U.S. legal system. Or it's, um, I don't know, uh, medieval Europe, so it's monarchistic or something. The point is, the idea is that there are rules your the world of this story operates by. There are rules that allow the story to function. And some of those rules sometimes will get tested Like raptors testing the fence or the idea that, you know, big companies always squash the little guy. But if this is a story where the little guy gets one over, then maybe that rule gets tested. But for the most part, the majority of the rules in your story aren't going to get tested because... Not all rules can get tested all the time in every story. The story would be exhausting that way. Everything would be exhausting. It would just be a constant mishmash of being hyper busy but accomplishing very little because you'd be scattering reader focus as every single rule gets questioned. What about this? And what about that? And what about this? And what about that? And that's just not how story has to operate. There have to be rules consistently unchallenged. And there have to be rules that allow the story to sort of operate between. There can be some rules that are tested, and you get to pick and choose what those are as a writer. But by and large, there's going to be a whole set of rules. And that's everything from physics to gravity to oxygen to people wear clothing to language to whatever that you're not really going to think about and don't really have to think about. Like no one stops and thinks about how grammar for hobbits work. They just sort of speak and and we all go on about our day. There's a thousand million rules that go unspoken and only a few rules that go challenged or even brought up. One of the first things we're going to do is find those rules that give us a sense of what the story is from what the story isn't. So if we're writing a legal thriller, let's say, we're probably going to get into some amount of rules that describe how legal proceedings work. We don't need to become, you know, lawyers ourselves. We don't need to be hyper accurate in exactly the number of steps it is from, you know, the table to the well. Or the uh, exact wood composition of the people in the, ju- you know, the chairs in the jury box for people. But what we do need to be aware of, what we do need to be sensitive of, is that some amount of research, some amount of understanding, some amount of prep has gone into crafting the world rules that we are going to bring up. We're not going to sit and figure out hobbit grammar, but we are going to figure out the nature of armor and weaponry when it comes to our medieval sword fight. We're not going to get bogged down in the nitrogen composition of the air inside the courtroom, but we are going to take a hot minute and really look up the nature of objection and the nature of discovery and how cross-examination works. Not so that we can write a technically hyper, mega, super, academic-level, accurate understanding of a particular kind of scene. It's more so that we can write a scene that feels like the reader's been sucked into it. That's, that's a really important critical thing to, to figure out and understand when it comes to taking apart fiction. Our goal, whether we're writing that legal thriller or we're writing a romance novel on a period piece or whether we're writing science fiction or whether we're writing fantasy or a superhero story or who knows what. Our goal is not to be a subject matter expert with 1000 million percent hyper always accurate, never wrong facts about things because that's not our job. Our job is to make art, and sometimes art is imperfect in its relationship between like specifics and creation. No one cares. No one truly cares if, you know, when you're talking about that romance novel set in a different period if you suddenly invent a spoon that isn't really a spoon people used or if you give them you know I'm not talking about like all of a sudden we're going to give cavemen cheeseburgers I mean like we are going to take a Georgian or Victorian era story and we're suddenly going to you know Create a different kind of horse that's pulling a wagon. This breed of horse didn't exist here. Or we're going to uh, change the length of gloves. The internet loves to create this idea that there are people out there scouring, deeply scouring text, looking for problems, highlighting problems, and the minute there's a problem, the minute there's any single problem, you, the writer, are a terrible person who should not only be pilloried, but sent away from the colony, banished to the wilderness, left to rot, tied to a rock so the kraken might eat you. And the reality is, uh, that's just social media. That's that's just people being negative because they can afford to be negative because they don't have shit else to do. Um, no one cares. No one should care. And no one should live in abject fear that, oh my God, oh my God, I, I invented, like, there's this there's this legal precedent I had to create for my legal thriller. It isn't really true. So somebody's going to, like, Google it, find out that I made it up, and and, and then I'm going to be ruined. Ruined for what? Like no one's going to invite you to Christmas dinner now because you invented, you know, U.S. versus Hamilton, um, the the case where people discovered that you shouldn't put evidence in a blender. Like y- you can make stuff up. You're you're making art. It's okay if you take things and create them. It's literally an effort of imagination. Uh, anybody who's angry that you made things up is sort of missing the point when it comes to experiencing something somebody imagined. The whole point is to make stuff up. That doesn't mean like we want to suddenly disobey all the rules we're creating. You don't want suddenly want to turn your legal thriller into like a high fantasy novel, but at the same time. You can make stuff up in an effort to serve your greater goal of telling the story. Everything's going to be okay. And sure, yes, there are some people in this world who are going to bitch, piss, and moan about the nature of, oh, my God, they made things up. They're not accurate. Well, who reads fiction for accuracy? That's what nonfiction is for. That's what biography is for. That's what, you know, history classes are for. The accuracy of our fiction, the thing we are most trying to unearth, that truth and the reality of performance and expression and concept, is crafted by making stuff up and trying to approximate and approach certain things from different dimensions that may not entirely like stick with the reality of experience, but we're getting there roughly. You know, It's a legal thriller, but we're willing to add an extra chair to a table. It's not the end of the world. It's a romance novel and we've changed the nature of the weather because we want to have more sunsets or something. Making stuff up shouldn't be a problem, and it's the strength of your rules that go unchallenged versus the rules and elements you do challenge that give you that permission, that give you that opportunity to create a level of things and make some stuff up so that the, the unreality of your creation and the stuff that everybody would point out is, oh my God, that's not right, that's not how that works. You're buying yourself some of that wiggle room. So step number one, dissect the rules in order of the world as you find them. And a lot of them are going to get taken for granted because writers generally don't stop and say, it's earth. They just sort of start talking about how two people were falling in love one summer before college. And that's fine. It's not the end of the world. But understand that a lot of the rules you're just going to assume and not even think twice. But write them down. Get in the habit of dissecting them and finding them. Because the more rules you can find, the greater opportunity you can have when you're crafting your own story to poke at them, to challenge them, to fiddle with them in some way. Once we start framing out the rules, the next thing you want to do is start looking at scenes. Where does the story take place? Not just the big setting. We'll get there in a second. But I want you to go from world rules to scenes. We'll do And here's the reason why, really, we're not just going from world rules to setting. Because comparatively, the story takes place in scenes within the setting, and I want you to look at the smaller pieces and portions first. See that you know we start at the, the drawing room in the salon, and then we go outside, and then we're in the fields, and then we're at the croquet field, and then we're at the tea party, and then we're back in the drawing room, and then we're in a different drawing room. then we're in the ballroom and then we're on the, the terrace find those scenes and see how the rules we just pulled out affect and shape those scenes not just because we have to go outside in order to go from room to terrace but the greater idea of the reason why it's scandalous that our heroine you know conceals her tears and then runs out to the terrace is based on the social construct of the rules of how society should operate. We use this set of rules to facilitate tension, opportunity, emotionality, and drama so that our story can progress and grow and our character can move forward in their arc. Find those scenes. Make a list in order. Where does our story start? Then where does it go? 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 All the way through the ending and highlight which scene or scenes are the climax. Where is the climax located? How does that location make the climax more impactful or less impactful? Would you get more tension out of this if our climax instead of taking place, you know, angrily in the horse stable, would it make more sense for this uh climax to take place on the dueling field? Find where the locations are. Find out what they are in order all the way through the story as best you can. Then what I want you to do is look at the setting. Look at stacking together and organizing all these things. If our setting can be broken down into categories and under, and structures beyond just the general label of, oh, it's Georgian or Edwardian or Victorian, it's a period piece, but be able to break it down in terms of this story takes place entirely on some wealthy baron's estate or everything in this story takes place in Mr. Body's mansion or... Everything takes place in the small town in Alabama, or it's all in a vineyard in Northern California, or anything like that. Once you can figure out the setting based on the scenes, then you've given yourself not only a sense of the constraints of the story. We're going to tell our story here in this vineyard, uh, as opposed to telling it all over the United States or all over Peru or who knows where we are also giving ourselves our first sort of look at marketing. How would we pitch this story to somebody else? How would we organize and craft the story? What, what is this story? What, what, what not just what kind of story it is. Oh, it's literary upmarket. We're going to talk about that tomorrow. But to think about the story and conceive of the story in terms of its overall like, bubble that the story occurs in, because that bubble is generally a really good thing for you to talk about when you're trying to get somebody else to read this book. When it comes to our own work, that bubble can save us a lot of problems when it comes to pitching. Because if we can set up the idea of, oh, it's a murder mystery that only takes place in one single mansion across a, a stormy weekend. We've immediately constrained and organized our first base level of thoughts so that our potential consumer of our story knows not to suddenly imagine like, oh, it takes place on a fishing boat. This structure and organization is just a sorting exercise. And that might sound simple and it might sound like it, it doesn't have a whole lot of material value to what we're doing. But when you partner this with character de- development and and plot structure and everything you'll be able to see the skeleton of a story no matter what it is who are the main characters why are the main characters in the situation they're in setting wise why are they doing what they're doing because of the plot why are they doing what they're doing because of the world rules if we're telling a medical drama you better have some doctors And in order for there to be doctors they have to be medically knowledgeable to a degree where they can at least be effective doctors unless the story changes otherwise All of these things work in concert and they all draw on one another. And the whole point of this three-part series is to show you not just the way the cells are interlinked but the way that we can use each piece to connect to other pieces. The way we can take a story apart no matter what it is, good, bad, otherwise long, short, dramatic, funny, whatever. The way we can put this all together so that we can get a general sense of this is the guts of a story. Now I know from what I read, I can take some of these rules, take some of these ideas, take some of this presentation, and port it over to my own work. That's ultimately the goal. The reason we take things apart is to see how things can be constructed so we know what to do and so we know what not to do. I hope you've enjoyed this three-part series. I, I hope you I hope you got something from it somewhere. And if you've got questions about it at any time, just find me online I'm on Twitter at awesome John awesome underscore John uh, I'm at John helps you write better on mastodon.social. Uh, or you can jump over to the website uh, John helps you write better and you know we can talk there for sure thank you so much for checking this out um, it really means the world to me I will see you tomorrow for kind of a ranty discussion to wrap up our week until then I'll see you soon